Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. We have a special treat today. I'll tell you what, I, I've been excited about this ever since I was able to book this couple to be with us. At one of our state conventions, I heard at a luncheon, I think it was at the SBTC luncheon, um, Steve and Debbie Wilson shared just their heart for ministry and marriage, and uh, as they shared, it just resonated with my heart. I said, Lord, thank you that there are other people out there as passionate about marriage as I am. And I said, we need these folks to come share with us. So they have an organization called Marriage Matters Now, and they'll be sharing a little bit about their family and their ministry with us. But I would like you to welcome Steve and Debbie Wilson as they come and share with us this morning. Thank you, buddy. Awesome. Bless you. Thank you. Oh, wow. Can I just tell you, we're in churches a lot. And uh, you got a great praise team. Mm-hmm. You really do. Awesome job. Steve walked in this morning, and we were here just for a little bit, visiting with Kelly and setting up products. And he came over to me, and he goes, you know what? People at the beach are just happy. I love it. We may have to move to the beach. <laughs> I'd love to move to the beach. <laughs> Uh, let, me t- let me talk a little bit about this afternoon between 2 and 5. We're limiting, greatly limiting who we're inviting to come between 2 and 5. It's only for people that have relationships with other people. <laughs> Senior adults, widows, widowers, high school, college, middle school, and singles and married in between. If you have relationships with other people, we're not just going to talk about marriage stuff. We're going to talk about things that affect us. That's this afternoon between 2 and 5. We don't have much time this morning, so I want to use our time greatly. I pray it is not an accident that you're here today. It's really not. We're going to talk about something this morning. Have you ever, have you ever been marked by something? You ever been, uh, when I was, in the, I was a youth minister... Let me just tell you this. As a youth minister, I've been in the ministry 30 years on staff of churches. For the last four years, Debbie and I travel literally uh, 25 to 30 weekends a year doing marriage and relationship stuff. For the first 16 years, I was a youth minister. For the last 14 of that, I was married adult minister. For the first 16 years of that, I tried to keep kids from sleeping together. For the last 14 of that, I've been trying to keep you sleeping together. (laughs) And this is harder. Can I tell you, this is harder. But in the ministry, in the youth ministry, I was a youth minister one day and stuck my arm into an ice machine, uh, getting some ice for a youth event. And there was a, when the door came up, there was a piece of metal that stuck down and I, it put eight inches in my, eight inch scar on my arm. You ever been marked by something? You ever been scarred by something? Maybe it's something, I can see the scar, but maybe you can't see the scar. 
Maybe it's something that you're going, no, that didn't hurt me. And then when I say, have you been marked by something? Something comes to your mind. Probably the worst day of your life. Remember the worst day of your life? When I said, remember the worst day of your life, can I tell you something came to your mind? I want you to watch a video. Remember the movie City Slickers? Three city slickers on a cow wrestling event. I mean, the guys go to the country. And you're going to see three men on horses, and all three men have a different story. And one of those men may be your story. Would you watch the video with us? That should just kind of spur you on to think for just a minute. It's interesting, the things that affected those men. And a lot of them, I want you to realize, men, you have a profound effect on your family. Billy right. Crystal will never forget his dad taking him to a Yankee game. The other guy, just a wink from his dad, finally made him feel like he had done something good. And then the last guy, look what his dad did. Destroyed a lot of things in his life because of his actions. Those kind of things mark us. Let me tell you about Steve and our worst day of our life. We've been married 33 years, 12 years into the marriage. I came to a place where I looked at Steve one night on a Wednesday night, and, and to preface this, about the seven-year mark of our marriage, I began to recognize that Steve and I were slowly disconnecting. We were given our all to ministry. When I married Steve, he was a youth minister. I married a youth minister. I jumped into ministry with him, happy to partner with him and to support him and do ministry with him. The thing is, we gave everything to the ministry. I have a statement that says, sometimes good is the enemy of great. And we didn't know how to balance this thing called marriage and life along with ministry. So what happened is, over time, we disconnected. And even though I recognized it for seven years, to be honest with you, I didn't want to bring it up because I knew it would cause a fight. And you know what? We had three kids, and I was too tired to fight. So at the 12-year mark of our marriage, it was a Wednesday night. We always did a youth service on Wednesday nights. We are people of habit, and on Wednesday nights, we had a goal after our youth service, and that was to get home get our three kids a snack, get them bathed, and get them to bed as fast as we could because they were tired and we were tired. Thank you. And then Steve would always go into the kitchen on Wednesday nights, and he would go in and pop popcorn. Now, y'all, were old, so we didn't push popcorn on a microwave. We literally had to put oil in a pan and kernels and shake, and it was great popcorn. So that night, he brought the popcorn into the den, and he went to pick up the remote control, and I said, Steve, don't turn that on. Now, he had no clue what was fixing to happen. We could not have been on more different ends of the spectrum here. But I said the dreaded words no man wants to hear. And that is what? We need to talk. <laughs> and then because I didn't know what to say and because I had just built up a lot of anger and resentment, this is what came out of my mouth. I said, Steve, if this is what marriage is, I don't think I want it anymore. Because... I had decided at that point I'd rather be alone than to be in a house and in bed next to this man that I felt so distant from. Guys, I want you to hear my heart. The, the loneliest women in the world are not single women. The loneliest women in the world are married women. 
And it's because we don't nurture and work on our marriage. We don't know how to communicate. We don't know how to deal with issues. We don't know what to do with these days that have marked our lives that we bring into our current relationship. And that's why, Stephen, I want to bring that to your attention today. Why? I don't want anything to hinder your marriages. I don't want anything to hinder your relationship with your children or with your friendships. So we've got to come into a place that we look head on the things that have affected us and what do we have to do with them. James 1 verse 2 is the scripture that we love for this sermon. Y'all know the verse. James 1 verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy. Yay! I don't know about you, but I don't get real excited about that verse. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance must do its work so that you would become mature, complete, and lacking nothing. When Debbie walked in at the 12-year mark, we had that Wednesday night time, and it was, guys, it was a two-by-four to my forehead because I thought everything was fine. We had a house, and we had a dog, and we had cars, and we had kids, and we had sex every once in a while. What else she want? <laughs> and some of you are going, and your point is? <laughs> well, she wanted an emotional connection, and guys, I didn't have a clue what that was. And it was the worst day of my life. Because I'm a Baptist. I've been on staff of churches. I'm getting ready to lose my wife. I'm getting ready to lose my kids. And if I get a divorce, I lose my, lose my profession. So you know what? Divorce wasn't an option. So we went to the beach. That's why we love the beach. <laughs> and in the midst of the pain, the pain of a two by four to my forehead, God decided to get my attention. It was the worst day. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when trials come your way. I don't know about you, but I don't learn during the easy times. Do y'all? When everything's going well, you go, woo, God's good. And then when the rug's pulled out from underneath you and some bad things happen, you're going, well, man, if God's a God of love, why would he allow that to happen? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Has the trials in your life affected you? Are the trials in your life today still affecting you? Can you do something for me? I know in your bulletin today, I looked in your bulletin, and on one of the, one of the sheets of paper, there's a blank on the back. There's blank. During the, the message today, would you do me a favor? And I know you're not going to want to do that. Would you get your a blank piece of paper, and would you write down the worst day of your life? No, man, I don't want to go there. Don't be the third guy on the horse. No, I don't want to play. Because here's what happens. If we don't deal with the worst day of our life, if you're, if you're, if you're a note taker in worship, can I give you a point number one? Are you, has the worst day of your life made you bitter, or has it made you better? Simple question. Are you bitter? Well, if God's a God of love, why would he allow that to happen? Okay. 12-year mark, worst day of my life. And I could have become bitter. I could have. Consider it pure joy, my brothers. When trials come your way, 
Because the testing of your faith, has the worst day of your life tested your faith? Or you said, you know what, I'm checking out. If God's got to love, no thank you. I thought Jesus loved me. No thank you. Are you bitter? Can I just tell you, Jesus doesn't need any more bitter people. Hello? <laughs> you know why this place isn't full? And we say this in not just your church. Because some of the lost people out there know some of these people in here. Hello? And as Christians, we should have the most hope. We should have the most healing. This should be a place where you can come and lay down your struggle and give it to God and allow him to make you better. But the problem is we don't. And we let the things that have happened to us over time just eat on mm. us and eat on us. Mm. And it's like poison that just keeps seeping out onto your family. I know, we know so many bitter people. And I've learned in my life, because of being married to a psychologist, that when people's behavior is ugly and rude and bitter, there's always pain behind that behavior. And if you can ever begin to look at people and see the pain behind their behavior, but what we do is all we do is address behavior. And it just gets uglier and uglier. Guys, all of us have had bad days. We will continue to have bad days. I don't know what false beliefs we carry around, but God never promised us that this life on this earth was going to be good. In fact, there's so many songs today that says, this is not our home. Thank you. Have you ever gone to relatives for three or four days? About the third day, I'm going, come on, I want to go home. That's how we should feel right now. But God wants us to make the most of it. I think the reason James put in there, it's going to test your faith, is when we get squeezed, our faith really shows itself. That's right. Like Steve said a while ago, when, when life is easy, then we have a lot of faith and trust in God. But when life is difficult, this is when most people walk away from God. The world today doesn't need any more Christians. And I know you're probably not going to like that statement. But let me tell you the second part of that statement. What the world needs is people with transformed lives. Thank you. Has God transformed your life? Let me tell you just a real quick story. Hmm. We wrote a book, and, and we wrote a book on the six mosquitoes that we're going to teach this afternoon. The six mosquitoes that drain the life out of every marriage and relationship. Writing a book is one of the hardest things in the world to do. I now understand writer's block because it gets real difficult uh, we have a young lady that's kind of been a part of our family for a few years, and she and I were working on the book one morning. She's trying to pull things out of me and get me to think deeper. Anyway, it wasn't working. It just, I, there was just nothing coming to my mind. But she looked over at me that morning, and she said, let me ask you a question. I said, what? She said, Steve has a quality that I don't understand where he got it. Steve grew up in a very dysfunctional home, alcoholic home, he came home at the age of 18 and said, told his mom he asked Jesus in, in his heart, and she told him, you'll get over it. It's a fad. Not a lot of encouragement, I guess you could say. And she said, the quality that Steve has is no matter what we're doing, no matter what anybody's doing, if we ask him to come help us with something, he will stop what he's doing without complaint and come help us. And I thought, well, why isn't she saying that about me? <laughs> because I'm probably going to complain. So anyway, I looked at her and I said, you know what? I have no idea. I don't know who exampled that to him. I don't know where he learned it. 
Well, about four days later, we were flying somewhere to go speak for that weekend, and we were on the plane, and I looked over at Steve, and I said, Steve, Shelly asked me a question this week. And I told him what the question was, and I told him what the characteristic was, and I said, Steve, who taught you that? He looked for a few minutes, and then he got big tears in his eyes. And if you get to know us, um, you'll find out we cry. We cry at the opening of Circle K's. It doesn't take a whole lot for us to cry. That's right. But he got big tears hey, in his I, eyes. I, that, that Sunday night TV show, Extreme, uh, makeover. Extreme Makeovers, I mean, just give me a tissue box. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> ah, don't move the bus, don't move the bus, you know. <laughs> so anyway... He looked over at me, and this is what he said, and only I knew what this meant. He said, Debbie, I'm just a dog with ticks. Now, let me explain why I knew what he was talking about. <clears throat> our first, what was our second church that we served in, was in Hawkins, Texas, small community north of Tyler, Texas. Steve was the youth minister, but it was such a small church that, like, on every Tuesday, Steve would go out and visit our church members, and a lot of them lived out on lots of acreage. So this one particular day, Steve went to visit a family, and he said he pulled up down this dirt road and pulled up in front of this house, and he got out of the car, and about six mangy-looking dogs met him at the car. So he gets out of the car and, you know, kind of pats on them and makes his way to the front door, knocks on the front door. And he said, by the time he knocked on the front door, all the dogs had left but this one dog. It just stayed right there by him. He went into the house, visited with the family for about 30 minutes, came back out, there was that dog. So he's, you know, he's saying his goodbyes to the family, and he's making his way to the car. And as he gets to the car, here comes that ugly, nasty dog. The dog, the dog did not have any hair on it. It's supposed to be a long-haired dog, but the ticks and the fleas had eaten all the white hair off of him. And he looked like a rat, but he was a mangy-looking thing, and he's bad. Steve has always loved the underdog, if you know what I mean. And so he looked down <laughs> at that dog, and he said that dog was looking at him as if to say, Mr., please get me out of here. And so Steve looked at that dog, and he looked at the family, and he said, do y'all want this dog? And they went, no, we don't want that dog. We got plenty of dogs. So he picked up that dog and put it in the car, knowing I was going to kill him. In the name of Jesus. In the yeah. name of Jesus. I am not a big dog person anyway, and one that looked like that was just not going to work. So sad. he said, knowing I was going to say no, he stopped by the store, and he bought flea and tick shampoo and everything he needed to clean that dog up. And here he walks in the house with the dog in one arm and the bag of shampoo in the other arm. The dog had blood ticks on it, if you know what I mean, where the ticks had eaten so long. I mean, we're talking pretty good-sized blood ticks all over this dog. So I said, Steve, what do you think? And he said, I know. I know you don't want me to have this dog, but he said, you don't have to touch it. It's going to be my dog. And I said, yeah, it's going to be your dog. <laughs> he, walks, he walks in the kitchen, walks through the kitchen, goes to the bathroom, out of curiosity. You know, yeah. I didn't want anything to do with it, she's but I was not, a little curious. She's not walking in the bathroom. He got that dog in the bathtub, and I would kind of walk by the door and stand by the door, and this is what I would hear Steve say. He was having to pull those blood ticks out of that dog, and it hurt. And I would hear Steve say, buddy, you're going to be better. Hold on. You're going to be better. I don't know how long it took him to clean up that dog, but he finally finished and brought that dog into the den, and that dog just laid flat in front of the fireplace. I think it was the first time it could lay still in months, in years. Who knows how That's old right. that dog was. Right. And then I noticed something that night. If Steve, 
crossed his legs, that dog's head went up. If I got up and went to the kitchen, that dog never moved. <laughs> but no matter what Steve did, that dog's head went up. If Steve got up and went in the kitchen, that dog went with him. Why? That dog was completely loyal to Steve because Steve saved him. Is there anything in your life that indicates that an unbelievable God saved you? You know what the saddest thing to me is? We travel. We probably travel 30 weekends out of the year. We're about to get a break for about a month and a half. But we are in restaurants and we are in airports and we are with strange people and strangers and people that don't know us and people that we don't know a lot. And this is what we do. We will entertain a communication or a conversation with our waiters and waitresses in almost every restaurant we go to. And we always ask them two questions. What is the worst day to be a waiter or a waitress? We've never had one say Tuesday. They all say Sunday. And then we ask, what's the worst tip day of the week? I don't get it. Unless you're bitter. I don't get it unless you only know God up here and you've never let him transform your heart. Explain to me. There should be a difference in us. When our faith is tested, mm. when we're squeezed, what comes out? Jesus or ugliness? Mm. Which is it and why? Point number two is the testing of your faith. Is your, te is your faith tested? Point number three, are you a quitter? You a quitter? Something happens in the church you don't like? Well, I'm just going to move. I'm going to go to another church. That other church doesn't want you. <laughs> if, with that kind of attitude. They don't want you to go there. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Produces non-quitters. Don't quit. Some of you are in relationships right now that you're going, I'm done. I'm sure glad Jesus never said to me, I'm done. Steve, you've done that five times. Done. Aren't you glad? I'm sure glad Jesus didn't say, you know what, dude? You do that one more time. I'm done. Well, I do it again and again and again and again and again and again. You know what he does? Thank you. I've got a father that rolls his eyes at me. <sighs> okay, Steve, come on. Are you a quitter? Can I give you a verse? You ever read your Bible and you go, somebody just put that verse in there. I have never read that verse before. This, you're, this is a different Bible than this Bible because this, this Bible's got that verse and that one doesn't. Oh yeah, yes it does. Galatians 5.7. Galatians 5.7, you've read it. Here's the verse. You were running the race so well. What cut in on you and took you out of the game? Remember when you were closer to Jesus than you are today? Remember when you were closer to him than you are today? What cut in on you and took you out of the game? The worst day of your life? Well, if God's got love, he wouldn't allow that to happen. No, he does. He loves us enough to not allow us to keep living in the dysfunction. 
Senior adult, you're going, well, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm on the downhill slide of this life. You know what? You've got grandchildren that you need to be Jesus to. You've got great-grandchildren that they need to see Jesus and Grandpa instead of a bitter old man. Because the testing of your faith produces maturity. Man, I want to be mature. Mature, complete, and lacking nothing. And then the next verse says, if you lack some of that, if you lack wisdom, just ask me and I'll give it to you. Man, I want that. Would you ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, I want to get over the worst day of my life. Here's what we're going to do and we're going to close. And can I double dog dare you? Can I double dog dare you? Some of you are going to stay at the house today between two and five. Some of you need to be here. Just to allow Jesus to uh, take some ticks off of you. Because something's taking you out of the game. I don't know about you, but I'm a dog with ticks. Anybody else a dog with ticks in here? I get, I'm a dog with ticks. And you know what? Jesus takes the ticks off of me and he goes, it's okay, buddy. You're going to be better. In a few minutes, we're going to do an invitation. And would you do me a favor today? Don't hurry and try to beat the Methodist at lunch. There's plenty of food. There's plenty. I mean, they're not going to run out. Look at my face. Look at my face. In a few minutes, we're going to do an invitation. Some of you need to join this church. Some of you need to ask Jesus in your heart because you're still full of ticks. Some of you, and I'm going to ask you to do this. Some of you wrote on your little piece of paper the worst day of your life. Uh, As Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for you? Huh? Well, I'm just, I'm just, that's just the way I am. Come on. When you get squeezed, let Jesus come out. Here's what we're going to do. In a few minutes, we're going to do an invitation. I'm going to ask you to come bring the worst day of your life to the altar. And Debbie and I, after worship today, we're going to collect them, and we're going to take them home with us, and we're going to pray for you. Now, when you bring the worst day of your life here, when church is over, you're not going to come up here and get it, but when you walk out those doors... Don't come and pick it back up and take it with you. Hello? Would you let Jesus say, okay, enough. Enough. I know you're scarred. I know you've been cut. Enough. Would you lay that here and let me heal you? Okay? Let's pray. Would you pray with me?